Welcome to the Wellness Renaissance Podcast, exploring topics to help you find the pieces that fit into your health puzzle. So interesting, snakes and spiders are what you should remember. Snake plants and spider plants are really good at filtering the air. They do it at a higher rate than other plants. And perhaps there are other house plants that do that too. But a snake plant is like, another name is like mother-in-law's tongue or Sansevieria. Hey guys, this is Judy with Wellness Renaissance and the Wellness Renaissance Podcast. Thank you so much for joining today. I have a fantastic show for you. You just heard Angie Stocky, and we are going to talk to her about spicing up our space with a little bit of flowers and plants and things that inspire us. We know that nature is good for our creativity. We know it's good for our depression and anxiety. And this kind of came about in a conversation that I was a part of with her on a coaching call. And she went into this amazing discussion about plants around our like desk space. And I thought, what a great thing. We were talking in the beginning of COVID. And so people were working at home, right? And we needed to do something to spice up our little spots. And we still do. We're heading into winter now. So bringing the nature into us and seeing that little splash of color, that splash of green, or just having a living thing by us. And Angie has some amazing things to share with us about how to do that in, you know, like on your desk in smaller spaces. So certainly can do it in a larger way too, but I think this is a great thing, something that I certainly needed, and she's got some great ideas about doing it affordably and kind of just to get our feet wet and how do we figure this out and who do we talk to and how can we start and how can we get things in a less expensive way and have fun and be creative and to not be too attached to our outcome and play and experiment. So I'm excited to share this with you. I want you to know there is a video of this discussion so that you can watch it, see exactly what she's doing, see what the flowers look like, what the plants look like. But if you can't, and you're listening to this audio-wise, you're still going to get a lot of information out of it. She describes things very well, um, but you can certainly, of course, watch the video too. So I'm excited for you to see that and have that option. And I have to tell you, in the beginning opening segment, we talked about mother-in-law's tongue and, and snake plants. And I will try to put up the picture that I found when I was just kind of searching around for snake plants, because it's something I wasn't super familiar with. And oh my gosh, there are some cool looking plants. They are so neat. And I happened to stumble on a page on Etsy that had some seeds. And so I will try to put at least some pictures up for that, just because I was just floored at how cool looking these plants could be. So check it out. And used to be a florist and that is why she knows about all of this fun stuff and she brought up stuff like most of the things she's talked about today are plants and flowers I've never heard the names of I've probably seen them but never heard the names of so that was really fun and exciting so you're going to learn a lot of new stuff most likely if you're like me anyway and I will put these names in the show notes so you can refer there as well Before we dive in, I want to, of course, thank you so much for listening and thank you to all the people supporting the podcast by sharing the podcast out via Facebook or sharing the emails. That is so appreciated. We really do appreciate that is how the podcast finds new people and the information finds people that are excited about it. So thank you for doing that. Thank you to all of the people who are Patreon supporters. I am so grateful for the support for the work that I'm doing. It makes this 
possible and doable, and I appreciate you so much. I invite you to become a Patreon supporter and support the work we're doing here at wellnessrenpodcast.com. You'll see the Become a Patron button, and that will send you right where you need to go. And speaking of our wonderful podcast supporters, this episode is brought to you by Green Home Solutions. They are your mold disinfection, odor, and allergen control experts. And I want to share a little bit with you about what sets them apart from their competition. First of all, they have EPA-registered plant-based enzyme product proven to kill mold. The enzyme product kills the mold and it also breaks down the dead mold, which is a good and important piece of this whole process. They can restore valuables and keepsakes and they try to preserve your building materials where they can. So if they don't have to take something out because of the way that their products work, they will do that for you instead of taking everything out and rebuilding. And that can save a ton of money in a really bad situation or maybe just a very inconveniently placed mold infestation. The last thing I want to share is that their typical timeline for remediation is two to three days instead of one to two weeks. So if you are having some mold concerns or some sneezing and allergies that you just can't quite find a solution for, these guys might be able to help. You can find them at greenhomesolutions.com, call 1-800-SOLUTIONS, or if you are here in Duluth, Minnesota, you can give Steve a call at 218-429-5250. All right, let's head on in with Ange and talk about plants and flowers and pizzazzing up our space a little bit. Thank you so much, Ange. I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, Me too. I'm so excited you asked me. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool because we met on a coaching call that Kim, Living Simply with Kim, introduced me to. And your coaching calls are fantastic. I was a great... Yeah, no, you do a a wonderful job. It's a fun way to be introduced to somebody and who they are. And on one of those calls, you talked about your love of flowers and plants, and you have a history of being a florist. Yes. And I just loved the way that you talked about them, and not only the passion that you had for them, but the sort of accessibility that you had around talking about them and making them part of... um, you made them sort of non-mysterious, I think is the best way to put it and, and, and how to, you know, thinking about them in our environment. And so I am so excited to have you here because I want, you know, we all need a little more green and I mean, especially come winter in Minnesota, right? Um, (laughs) But in our workspaces, and I think you just, in our discussion or that day, you just really reminded me how much I need more, green and more life in my in my space so talk about that whether it's your workspace or your house you have some amazing ideas and and like I said making it accessible so take it away okay oh thanks well so I used to be a florist right I had a florist for 17 years it was called Angela's Bella Flora and it's in Duluth Minnesota it was in Duluth Minnesota and then um, I sold it to two of my lovely employees and now it's called Flora North and they are in the Lincoln Park Craft District and they are just they're just doing a beautiful job with the shop right so um, for many years that was my baby a flower shop and um and so during that time, I would teach a lot about flowers. We would have people come in. I would do, oh my gosh, flower shows and flower seminars and 
um, teach classes, hands-on classes. And boy, people just loved it. And they left uh, feeling so empowered to do their own stuff. And um, I, since I've become a coach, I'm a, I'm a business money and life coach. And um, the one thing I do is I work with lots of creative entrepreneurs. And lots of them are working at home. They have home offices and um, they might, you know, duck out to the coffee shop sometimes, maybe to meet clients or to do whatever, but lots of them have offices at home. And I think when we have offices at home, we really need to delineate our office time. When are we going to go there? Some boundaries, right? We need to um, have a space that feels good because if it doesn't feel good, you don't want to go to it. You don't want to walk... We have a beautiful basement here at our house and um, there's fireplace and there's beautiful stone and there's signs and I mean, it's darling and my office is darling. But if my office doesn't feel good, if the light isn't right, if there's not a little love or something down there, I don't necessarily want to work down there. I kind of want to work up here quite a bit. This is our, one of our main levels. And so um, one thing that you can do to make your office feel good or your workspace feel good is introduce flowers on a regular basis. Choose a spot in your office where you're going to make a point of having a flower or a plant. Um, and there's so many options. And so today I just wanted to talk about how easy it is to keep yourself in flowers um, throughout the year. And it's interesting, Judy, because I always thought I'm probably going to write a book called A Year in Flowers or Keeping Yourself in Flowers because um, I, I have flowers or plants every single day in this house. Like there's no, there's no time at which there's not one, at least one growing thing or one fresh cut blooming thing in the house. And it, um, it really changes the space. And literally studies have shown that when you have flowers or plants in your space, um, depression goes down, you are less tired. I mean, multiple studies have shown it's not just one study, it's multiple. Um, people are less depressed if there's any depression or anxiety. Um, people are more creative. It is, it is across the board. It's just, just a no-brainer. It's absolutely a no-brainer. So today I was hoping to make it really accessible, like that's such a good word, to people who are kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure. I kill a bunch of stuff. I would love for people to take that out of their vocabulary and instead say, I'm a person that chooses to um, really elevate the level of my space. And one thing I do is I use flowers and plants to accomplish that. So want to help people do that today. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> so I have some things that I've actually like created and made with some tips that go along with it. And I'm wondering, you know, for the people who are watching this on video, that's easy to see. But for people who are listening to the podcast, um, I'll, I'll do a really good job just explaining what is in each thing and what's important and what's the takeaway for each example. How does that feel like a good way to do it? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, somebody listening to audio, they can either catch what they need or they can go check it out on video too. So yeah, that's great. Okay. okay. So the first thing I want to tell you guys, um, let's talk, let's talk about flowers first and then we'll talk about plants. Okay. Or maybe I'll just intermingle them. What's better? What do you like? Ah, intermingle's nice. Intermingle. Whatever. Okay. Um, so uh, we happen to have gardens here cause I love gardening and I've really built up about seven different gardens. So there's perennials and there's shrubs and there's flowers and there's pots. I mean, there's all sorts of things. So in the summer, it's easy, like simple and easy. 
but it wouldn't be easy if I hadn't set up a foundation. And part of a foundation is having a tool that you love to use. Now, most people aren't going to use, I'm showing um, you guys this red Swiss army, it's called a hook knife. And florists, like fast florists use a hook knife because you have to go so fast. It's like your arm needs to be almost like a meat cutter, right? It needs to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it needs to cut flowers super fast, cut flower stems super fast. But you don't have to have that. I mean, let's not, we don't want anyone to cut themselves. You could have a scissor, which I just, I have, I'm showing you guys a gray scissor. It's just a little, um, look like a paper scissor actually. This happens to be a small sharp scissor. And this scissor, you would only want to use it for flowers. You'd only want to use it for flowers. You wouldn't want to use it for a bunch of other stuff because if you dedicate one scissor for your flowers, it will always be sharp. It will always feel good. And there won't be glue on it. There won't be, you know, it won't get wrecked um, because one really important part of cutting the base of a flower, the bottom of the flower, is to make sure you get a nice clean cut with something that doesn't have a bunch of bacteria or rust on it. Okay. So the old kitchen scissors from like 20 years ago, like, hey, let's upgrade, let's upgrade. Scissors cost like $7.99, give it a go. So kind of, kind of just start creating a foundation with um, foundation so it's easy for you to introduce flowers and plants into your space, okay? So you need a tool. The other thing you need, you need tiny vases. One mistake people make, is um, when they get a flower arrangement from the florist or from a funeral or from the hospital, right? Most often people have spent from 40 to let's say $150 on the arrangement. Those vases that carry like 75 to let's say $140 arrangements, those vases are usually just too big. There's no reason that you should be using those vases unless you have 10 stems of hydrangea that you are going to be like, putting in a vase, right? You shouldn't need to feel like you have to fill a big vase for your office. You just need some tiny. You just need some, why don't we just start little and tiny? Because then it's doable, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna show you a couple of things with tiny vases that I've done to make it really doable here at my house. Okay. It's interesting, you're mentioning funeral arrangement flowers and I, I think I've had times where I've taken those home mm -hmm. and I feel, like I feel like this is so overwhelming. What do I even do with this? Mm. And I feel question. bad, like breaking it up and doing something different with it. But it's logical. I don't know why I felt bad, but it would have been great to just say, you know what? I'm going to take these bits and put them over here, and maybe these bits and put them over here. So most people who worked at a flower shop, when they get those arrangements, they just look at it as, okay, here's a bunch of flowers. What am I going to do with them? And yes, maybe someone has designed them in a certain way, but maybe you don't love carnations or maybe you don't love the leather leaf fern that comes with the carnation arrangement. Now, I mean, full disclosure, when I had the flower shop, we didn't sell carnations. It wasn't carnations and baby's breath. It was kind of fancy. So we were kind of fancy flower people in, the, in, our, in our little town here. And so that was kind of our edge though where we wanted to be much different than what our market had already seen. So we would sell things like this. It's called Crispidia or Billy Balls, and it's from Australia. And it actually dries in place. But what I want to show you about this one is, you guys, I have this tiny blue vase, and I have four yellow, they look like pom-poms almost, that have dried and are coming out of this vase. Now the vase is one, two, it's three inches tall, 
and it's two inches wide, okay? And the top mouth is only about three quarters of an inch open, okay? So I don't have a vase that a dozen roses came in that has a mouth that is like six or seven inches wide. You are not able to fill that. If you're not a florist, that's just gonna be too hard unless you have a whole bunch of big, fat, chubby, uh, green Annabelle hydrangea outside your door that you can fill it up with, okay? In addition, the shape of the vase really makes a difference. You want it to feel good in your space. You want it to be a color that you love. You want to be attracted to it. So don't just use what you got. Use what you love. Be intentional. So some people like this super cute. It's kind of a cobalt blue little tiny vase that I have. I have three of them because I usually buy tiny vases in series of three. Oh, and why do you do that? Do you put them all over your house? Right? No, I don't. I usually put a series of three vases together in one line so that I can make a line out of them. And that's why I always buy three tiny vases together that look like better. So I can create a series. I guess that's a good word for it. So just so you know, these uh, and this vase have been sitting up in my vase selection cabinet for probably, I don't know, probably since fall because these are fall flowers, right? Okay. But you can get them anytime. So it doesn't matter. Um, But they're just dried. They're totally dried. There's no water in here. So, I mean, this- They look gorgeous. I know. This is so accessible. This is easy. What are your thoughts on this, Judy? I I really like it. It's, yeah. And I love the idea of like having three of those and how, what an amazing little like broad, but not too full and, and visually clunky, hmm. so uh, you cute. know, pop of color. And yeah, no, I really like, I really like that. I love, I love the idea of the small vases. And I think I've always looked at them and went, huh, what do you do with that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just put a couple stems in. I want this to be so accessible. So um, I also like to tell people like, well, where do you get that cute vase? Okay, a couple things. You go to Target because Target has some cute vases. If you're a Target shopper, go look in their little section of, you know, oh my gosh, what's her name? Hearth and Home. There's all sorts of little cuteness there. And when you see a tiny vase with an inch opening, or I mean, and it could be shaped any way, but if it has an inch opening or a three-quarter inch opening, maximum two inches. Um, that's what I'm going to show you guys today. Nothing is going to be, well, one is, but you, but you'll be excited about that. Nothing's wider opening, a wider opening than two inches. Okay. So also if you live in the cities, like, cause this is a Minnesota podcast, right? I mean, a lot of Minnesota. It's, people, it's right? a lot of it, but we're everywhere. You're everywhere. Okay. So in the cities in Minneapolis, you can go to a gift store like Patina. Oh my gosh, darling. They have great ones. You could go to Paper Source, which is a super cute paper store. In Duluth, I've bought actually a ton of bases at Huckleberry, um, which is so, such a cute store. Oh my gosh. If you do not know about Huckleberry, you should follow them immediately. Emily is the most creative. Oh, she's just amazing. So if you're craving a little of that, Huckleberry. Um, and then uh, Flora North, of course, you know, certain florists that are a little bit more gifty, they are going to have tiny bases too. They know the power of a tiny base. So um, anyway, that's my tiny base. So now I'm going to show you guys kind of faster now some tiny bases and we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. So friends, let me just tell you about this one. This 
uh, I, I wish people would do this more often, but I'm going to show you the mouth of this vase. The mouth of this vase is, I think, one and a half inches. I'm going to go with one and a half inches. It's tiny. It looks like a little beaker. It's That's so what I was just going to say. Yeah. 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 It's a clear glass vase. And what I've put in it are the following things. Number one, I have a super, super cute um, plant that's growing in another part of my house. And I have cut four stems because it's kind of a drapey hanging plant. I've cut four stems and I actually am waiting for them to root because I'm going to plant them outside in a garden. Okay. So I've put them in here and I just threw them in. Not a big deal. I should go like that so people can see. Yeah, because you don't care about my face. You guys care about that. Okay. And then um, this, these little little buddies, these are called pilia. And pilia is a plant that is easily started. So when one of the pilia um, leaves falls off, um, pilia leaves are super round. They almost look like mini lily pads. Same color, really cool green. Sometimes pilia has striped leaves too. But when they fall off, all you have to do is put them in a little bit of water. And if you want, you could put them right into dirt and get them growing. But I'm going to have them root in here. So I have two different plants that I've stolen from, from my house. And I'm going to, first of all, that would be enough. That would be enough, a little bit of life to put in my office just for some green, just for some brightness. There's a little back tone of kind of yellow when I look at this. It's just so pretty. Um, so you could stop right there. That could be it. But I happen to go outside of my garden and I have, um, oh my gosh, this is called Trolleus, also known as globe flower. And it is a zone four perennial. So it comes up every single year and it is darling if you're familiar those of you who are listening if you're familiar with ranunculus it looks really similar to ranunculus it's the same shape same size and it's kind of this bright little yellow so i just wanted to put a little pop of color in there now another thing you can do that um is easy and accessible is you can take and grab something from your shrubs outside. If you say something to me like, well, I only have shrubs outside. I'm like, well, I don't care how it grows. Is it a leaf? Does it have texture? Is it colorful? Is it living? Do you like it? If so, you can take this stuff and you can put it right in here and it'll add to your, add to your program. So you guys, this is simple stuff. I literally went and cut this this morning in my yard, just walked around. Now, I mean, full disclosure, I do have a bunch of gardens, but, um, but you don't have to. You can cut things from trees. You can take things from the woods. I mean, oh, so many options. Make it easy for yourself. Try well, it. And play with it maybe and just try. Play. Try. Yeah. Just try. No, if you're a perfectionist, I want you to say this to yourself. <clears throat> I'm going to try. <laughs> Because there's a lot of perfectionists who won't even do this because they're so concerned about what it will look like. And they'll just be like, well, I'm not going to be able to do it perfect the first time. So I'm just not going to do it. Why even waste time? This is an opportunity for you to explore and try and do something different and let yourself just play. It is not going to be perfect. And somebody's going to walk in and say, oh, my gosh, that's darling. And you're going to say, well, it's just not perfect. Nope. Just let yourself do some B minus work. Try some B minus work, let it, put it out there in the world and start enjoying it. And over the year, if you keep doing it, if you really, if it's really important for you to have it be perfect, you'll get there. Just start practicing. 
So here's another example. Um, I'm showing a vase, you guys, that is about five inches tall. And the mouth of the vase is about a three-quarter inch, there's a three-quarter inch hole in the top of this vase. It is, um, I don't know, it's just like shaped kind of like a pear. Yeah, kind of a bulby pear. Yeah, really bulby pear. And at the bottom, there's kind of like a gray, um, a gray rustic texture. And then the top part of the vase is white porcelain texture. Would you say that's correct? Mm-hmm. And so I just took three of the globe flowers, and you could take three of anything, and I just dropped them in. No big deal. And we're done. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, simple, simple stuff. And I really, um, I really encourage you, especially if you have stuff outside in your garden, oh my gosh, if you have the right vases, pop one in front of your face. Oh, I'm sorry. Pop some flowers inside a small vase. And you can put them, if you don't have, maybe you don't have an office, right? Maybe we're not talking about people who work from home, but put them in front of you when you're doing the dishes or if there's a windowsill in your kitchen. I mean, where are you all the time? Put, put one by your bedside. When we used to do funeral work at the flower shop, I would um, suggest to the people that it might be nice to have a little something for um, like if it was a widow, something by their bedside, just a tiny, tiny little arrangement. And oh, people are always like, yes, I want that. And maybe it costs them like $10 or $14 or something like that. But having um, a simple flower to look at right before you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, it is, it is magical. It is the stuff that, you know, the good life is kind of made of. So well, and what a fun thing to take home with you and have in your space, you know, and however long it lasts. But again, it's that accessibility to be able to to put it somewhere special or smaller or on a dresser or whatever and just have in your space. How cool is that? So true. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got a couple others to show. And one is a little bit of grocery store love. Grocery store love. Grocery store love. I love show and tell. This is so exciting. <laughs> okay. So you guys, I, I want to show you, these are called Gerber daisies. Sometimes people call them Gerbera daisies, but Gerber daisies is just fine. Again, been in the floral industry for so many years. You can call them either way. Um, but these happen to be grown in Minnesota at a place called Len Bush. And Len Bush is, um, is a great company in the cities down by um, Minneapolis. I think they're in Plymouth. Yeah, they're in Plymouth. I've been to the space before and it's amazing. They are just growing and growing and growing. So if you care about Minnesota, if that's important to you, um, you can certainly look for these locally grown Gerber daisies. So I don't know this particular name of this particular variety because there's so many varieties, but when you get them at the grocery store, it costs $5.99. I mean, this costs $6 and there are five stems. Now you can also buy these at the florist. Same, same thing. You can buy them at the florist. And usually there's a little flower food, right? So I want to talk to you about flower food because people, um, people are a little confused about it. And honestly, you just really have to read the directions and see what it says. So I'm going to take for a sec and just read the directions on here and see what it is telling me. Because I'm going to use a small vase for these flowers. And it says, oh yeah, turn over. Well, interesting. Yeah, they don't actually give really good directions on here. Would I take this entire packet of flower food, which basically is meant for like an, a dozen rose arrangement, and would I put it in this tiny vase? That's, I think, the question. 
I would not. I would not. I would take and put a little bit in there. And you don't want your um, water to be cloudy. It shouldn't be cloudy. So I'm just going to give it a little, just a little zhuzh. I mean, really, I didn't even add. Okay, so this vase probably has half a cup of water in it right now. Mm -hmm. And I added probably a quarter teaspoon of crystal. It's called Floral Life Crystal Clear, which is one of the many brands and varieties of flower food. So I put it in there and then I stirred it up. And I'm probably going to add some more water here to this. But we won't do that right now. Okay, so here are your... See how tall these are? Yeah, those are big flowers. They're big flowers, yeah. And the flowers are um, super bright colored, big, big daisies. And they are probably one, two, three, like three or four inches in like diameter. The heads are three or four inches. And they're probably 18 inches in height. But for me, when I'm looking at them, I don't need them to be tall. I'm not looking for a long, tall thing in my office. Sometimes for me, that's a little cluttery. I'm usually looking for a tiny, small pop of color. So I want to give you two options that are super easy with this one. So <clears throat> one mistake people make all the time is they think, oh, I got these flowers. and um, I have to just find a vase and put them in there and they'll just shove them in just like this. Right. And the vase they probably have on hand does not do justice to the flowers. So you cut, you know, after a while you're going to figure out what kind of flowers do I really, really, whoa, what kind of flowers do I really, really like? And, um, what kind of vases do they go well in? You're going to have some favorite vases for some favorite kinds of flowers. That's what happens over time when people get involved with this kind of, exciting stuff okay so um i'm gonna actually take and give these a cut and so you're using your scissors yeah you can use your scissors or you guys are gonna use a scissors nobody's gonna use a knife to begin with so um, let me ask you this when you're actually cutting i remember learning that you need to cut the stems at an angle is that mm -hmm. a truth well it is it is um something that we often do and it's so that it ex exposes well one reason um, is so that if you were to if you were to put this in this vase, if you cut it straight across, there's a chance that it could suction to the bottom of the flat um, the flat vase, and then it might not have water uptake. So if you do an angle, it's highly likely that water will be able to be uptaken at the bottom of the stem. Okay. So this is a really, I mean, this is a very important part, right? This is what's going to keep your flower living a long time. So, okay, I already know because I'm, right now I'm taking the cute little flower bunch, which is five Gerber daisies, and I know that the vase that I have, um, if I put them in here right now, it's that's not the look I want. I actually want it to be a little tighter than that. So I am going to, I'm going to use a scissor now. This is just a target up and up scissor, and I know it's nice and it's nice and um, sharp. It's a newer scissor. It's clean. There's no rust on it. Now I'm going to put my flowers back in, and I think, well, that's okay. That's okay. It's not the best. It's okay. I'd like it to be even a little bit tighter. So now I'm going to – so right now, you guys, just so you know, this is about seven inches tall. This is about a seven-inch tall arrangement, and it's about a – seven inch wide at the top arrangement. I'm just going to take and kind of look at it and see what I can do. I'm gonna it's a little, cut it's a little floppy. A little, a little too floppy for me. So I'm going to cut all of them. 
again, see if I can just get it a little tighter. Oh yeah, that's better for me. At least for the style that I want to have. Mm -hmm. And um, the one thing is, I always used to say this at the flower shop when I was teaching too, like you be in charge of the flowers. Don't let the flowers be in charge of you. If you want something to be shorter, cut it. Oh no, what if I cut it too much? Well, be, be careful and try little varying heights and just keep going and going and um, use centimeter sections. See what feels good. After a while, you will start to get really good at this. It is, it is just fun and simple stuff. So Judy, this particular cute little arrangement, can you see having this easily at your desk? Oh yeah, totally. It looks like it would be a nice size that wouldn't be too cumbersome. Yeah. But yeah, but also just very, very pretty and refreshing. Yeah. And a, just a joyful pop of color. Yeah. I think, um, just so you guys know, these are like a light peach with kind of a darker peach inside. It's a peachy pink. I mean, it's a beautiful, it looks sort of sunrise-ish. Really yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to put these back here. And in the same vase that I just used, I'm showing you, um, I have a weeping Louisa Crabtree outside. And it is, oh, it is amazing. And so it looks like kind of one of those um, popsicle trees with a whole bunch of draping stuff at the top. So uh, it is, and it is, I have two of them and they are crazy. They are so, they are so prolific. It's unbelievable. It's almost overwhelming. Yay. So cutting stuff from them is no big deal at all. Nobody even notices because there's so many branches on there. But I'll tell you, one mistake people make when they are cutting things from outside or they're getting flowers is they don't strip the bottom. I'm going to show you guys right now. They don't strip the bottom leaves or the bottom stuff off of the plant. They should because you don't want any leaves underneath the water line. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. If you have leaves underneath the water line, you're attracting mold, you're introducing mold into the water, you're um, introducing and attracting bacterial growth in the water. And so all you really want is the stem in the water. Okay. Like okay. So underneath the water line, you shouldn't see any, you should just see the stem. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Now, I'm going to get fresh water because this one has a little bit of like something fell in it. Uh oh. I know. All right, here we go. So I will say that I have become a tiny vase addict. It might not be healthy, but I have a lot of tiny vases. And the reason I, you know, I'm pretty knowledgeable about flowers, right? I haven't, I, I haven't grabbed, um, uh, I haven't been outside looking for huge vases. I haven't, I don't go to the shops and say, oh, look at that huge vase. That's going to be great. I should get it. I'm always like, oh, look at that tiny one. It would be perfect for a couple stems of blank, blank, blank. So when you guys are out and about and you're shopping at your favorite shop, think, hmm, do they have any tiny vases at this super darling store? And what will look good? Which colors of vases will look good in my space? What do I want it to look like? So, and you can just have so many more little arrangements potentially if you've got little tiny vases. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you can keep yourself in flowers and, it, and it's affordable. You don't have to um, invest too much. You don't have to always be buying a bunch of flowers. I mean, every other week, find some flowers, get them in your house. And the one thing that you want to think about too is just kind of cleaning out, you know, after a week or a week and a half, it's time to usually clean flowers out. And so, um, 
Some last longer than that, some don't. If you, if you don't want to clean anything out and you want something to last a super long time, your best bet is um, to purchase a moth orchid or a Phalaenopsis orchid. They're the same thing. It's just a, a different, you know, two different ways to refer to the same kind of orchid because it looks like a moth. Buy a moth orchid. They're at the grocery store. They're at the flower shop. Um, the last one I had lasted from January until I just, I just um, cut it down the other day. What month is it oh, right wow. now? May. May. Yeah. Yeah. January, February, March, April, May. So almost five full months it lasted. I'd say four. Let's go with four months. Um, and it was remarkable. So sometimes those orchids can last for so, so, so long. And if you have um, a flower or greens or whatever, and you have them in water, is it better to just add to the water that you have, or should you dump out and restart anew? If you're going to take the minute it takes to get, you know, to do something with water, um, I usually will dump out the water. I'll hold the flowers like this and then dump out the water and then I'll put it under the faucet and do some new water. And I will usually add some flower food too. Like I'll re-add some flower food. Now the other thing I'll do if you really want to get into it is if I'm changing the water, I'm probably going to give my stem a fresh cut up a centimeter or something like that. So almost like if the end of the stem had gotten plugged with anything, microscopic, right? Um, if it got plugged with anything, I could just bypass that by giving it a fresh cut one centimeter up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put this little friend over here. Now, the other thing I want to show you is super simple and it's kind of um, something you can do. Remember this arrangement? So everybody, I'm pulling the arrangement back that has these peach gerberdaisies in it. And one of the easiest and simplest things you can do if you're like, I, I just, I got no time for that. I don't even like it. Or if you have a different kind of space, you can take the Gerber daisies. I'm going to get the biggest, widest one. Here's the biggest, widest one. And you, and I'm showing it to the screen. Honestly, it is like, I don't know. That's, that's a good, that's almost five inches. Yeah. Bigger than your palm. Yeah. It's so big. Um, you can take a clear glass cylinder, a short chubby cylinder. And you can just float it. And honestly, it's darling because the really pretty part of the Gerber daisy isn't necessarily like the underneath, although it's pretty, or the stem, although that's a beautiful green. It really is the top of the flower. Wow, you can see it really well here. Yeah, that looks cool. Isn't that cool? Super simple. And if you're a person who goes to the beach, you can get some rocks for the bottom of your vase if you want a little, yeah, that's pretty fancy. Yeah. Sometimes people will take and put... Um, like vines in the bottom of a vase, which you can find vines outside. You can find vines or stems of like a tree. I mean, there's so many options and so many things you can experiment with when you're doing this stuff. Yeah. And the more you use it, the more you do it, the more you learn. So see how easy that is? There, I showed you two different ways, right, to use this particular. And these are small vases. These are tiny. Like everything is six inches by six inches. Like all of the stuff is small. Nothing is like 12 in inches tall, although one of them. Well, I know if you see, like, if you end up with a flower and you're like, well, what do I do with this flower? And you don't have maybe the right kind of vase or whatever. It's, yeah. a, it's another way you to say. It's so cute. Yeah, so that's cute. cool. Okay, I have a couple more. So <clears throat> I wanted to show this because sometimes people really like a tall piece in their space. So I might have to back up on this one, but some people really like a tall 
a tall piece. The secret trick to this one is uh -huh. I have four stems of a tree in it, right? This um, weeping Lelisa crab tree. But the secret is this vase, the opening again, it is one inch. It is like one inch and it's a very heavy vase. So it's not going to fall over. This one I got at West Elm. So West Elm is a, is all over, like all over the United States. And um, they have really, they usually have really cool vases. There were some really cool shapes. So if you have a particular tree that's outside, figure out what kind of vase is going to work really well for it. And if you like tall, you have to get a heavy tall vase. You can't get a light tall vase or everything will fall over. Right. So something to think about, if you love this line, um, you can do this inexpensively too. Just invest. I mean, this vase was probably $18 or something like that. So invest in a vase that will work well for whatever you have around you or whatever you love to buy. Is there anything that we should not use as a vase? Like either if we're, you know, I'm thinking if you're, if you're in a space where maybe it's not a, you know, vase specific, so you see something at a garage sale or you're just looking at things around your house that you could use to decorate with. Is there anything we should not use? I think you shouldn't use by default, whatever ends up underneath your sink. I think you should love your vase. I think you should love the shape. I think it should look good in your space. I think if you love the color, let's just say if you love the color blue, or if you just love a clear glass and you love the shape of it, um, or if you love metal, I mean, whatever it is that you love that feels good when you look at it and looks nice in your, in your space, um, as opposed to like, well, I just got this kind of vase, a couple vases from, um, you know, a, a florist because somebody sent me something or something with like a, a bear heart, or like a heart and a bear and like, oh, I love you. Like maybe, you, maybe that's not you. Maybe that, but you kept it because you're like, what if I get a flower? I think <laughs> you just got to pick out, I think you got to pick out vases that you absolutely love. Because um, if you're going to take some time to do it, It'll be less attractive if you're putting a beautiful flower that you spent a little bit of money on in a vase that you're like, that doesn't, that's not attractive. I don't even like that vase. Why do I have it? Just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. No need to say that stuff. This is a super short vase. This is um, three inches tall. It has a one and a half inch opening. And oh my gosh, so many things could happen with this little guy. But I want to show you, I'm going to do a little secret trick. This, these are the four dried um, crispidia, also known as billy balls from Australia. And a fun little note is when the Olympics were in Australia, I was paying attention to the bouquets, of course, that they were giving to all the people. And the bouquets had crispidia in them, of course, because this is totally an Australian flower. That's so, cool. I know, isn't that cool? Okay, so see how I'm putting these dried flowers in a vase that actually has water? Okay, that's one thing I can do. And I'm gonna add a couple things that are, that's just from my yard. This thing, might, I might only need one thing. I'm gonna cut it down. This is from a shrub in my yard. It's kind of like a yellowy green shrub. And I might, I might be done, I don't know. I'm gonna put three on one side. I'm gonna put three blooms kind of hanging out on one side and one bloom on the other. And then I might use some of my uh, plant cuttings. Remember I had plant cuttings? I might mm -hmm. pop those in there too. And the crispedia will actually just hang out. I would probably, maybe I would cut it a little bit, but 
you can use the um, leaves that are in here to thread flowers through so they stay kind of stand up. You can use them kind of as a net. Yeah. So um, this is a super short vase. I mean, it is so short, you guys. It's like, it's no, no higher than my fist. That's how, that's like. Yeah, it is really powerful. short. Yeah. Isn't it cute? It's totally cute. And so that that's really nice. That could go on top of like a stack of books. Same thing, like, you're like, well, where do I put, where do I put these? Windowsill, always good. Um, wherever it is that you're going to see it and look up and just say, oh, look at that little friend right there. Because literally, studies have shown, it helps us become more creative, less depressed, less tired. And actually, when you introduce some flowers or some plants into your space, you'll notice that you start to introduce more of them into your space. People don't even know they're doing it, but all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to get another plant. Like, that feels, that other plant sure is cute. Those flowers are cute. I'm going to get another one. Uh, this is a cute little, like a bottle, um, which looks like you, it's kind of vintagey, right? Like a little milk bottle and it has a blue tone to it. Um, I happen to have, for some reason, a, a lot of blue, a lot of blue and yellow here. Okay, so you're a very blue and yellow themed lady. Okay, I am. I have a bunch of stuff, but. Also, blue is just a really popular vase color. Like, you'll see it very often. Um, I have two plants I want to show. And then, um, and then Judy, you asked me some questions, okay? All right. Okay. So this is called Pilia, and I got it at the grocery store. I know about Pilia, though, because when I go to Flora North, I see Pilia, and I'm like, ooh, I love that Pilia. I got to get one. I got to get one. But when I was grabbing plants last night, my favorite flower shop was not open. So I, I went to I went to Cub Foods and I got this pilia plant. Now a pilia plant, you'll see if you're if you're watching, clearly you can see it, but if you're listening, it has a lot of round little mini lily pads that kind of all shoot out from a center point. And they are prolific, meaning they just grow and grow and they keep going and kind of producing. And if you want, you can take one of these off. Let's see if one's already off. Yep, one's already off. And you can put it right back in the dirt. Literally, you can put it right back in the dirt and it'll start to grow a whole nother plant. You can see in this particular plant, look at all the new plants that are growing. Oh yeah, wow. Right? And then you can take one of those plants and you can put it in a little jar or you can put it in a vase and you can let it root. You can, excuse me, put it in, um, put it in a tiny little dish of dirt even um, even a cute little cup or a mug, even a plastic, cute little plastic mug with a cute ribbon on it and give a message to a friend like, I hope you're doing well and put it at the front door. I mean, so many options when you introduce plants into your life. Now, remember, some of the arrangements I made have some of this pilia in them. Super simple, super cute. I love the shape. I love the shiny greenness of it. And when you're at the flower shop or at the grocery store or wherever looking, look at all the plants and say, what feels good? Like, what do I walk towards? Which one do I walk towards? Which one looks good to me? Which one feels good to me? Grab that one and figure out how to use it. Whether it's in, in like a vase, like you want to cut it, whether you want to put it somewhere in your house to harvest for later, or you want, might want to find out, is this a plant that I can cut from and create tiny little plants from it? Because lots of plants will root for you. I mean, I have given away so many plants just because I put them in my windowsill over here and they are, they're rooting and they'll, they're ready to plant in some soil. 
Mm. So it's kind of a fun way, fun way to live life, at least for me. The last thing I wanted to say was if you have a plant that you love, I always look for textured. See how this looks so textured. It's got like spots on it and it kind of has this grayish white. Isn't it pretty? I like that. So this little plant um, came in one of these plastic containers, right? And I never keep my stuff in plastic containers. I either drop this into a cute vase or I should say a pot. I drop this into a cute pot in my space. That looks good. Or I took one out of one of these pots and I just dropped it with the dirt and the soil and I planted it right into this container. This container I love. I think it is just darling. It looks really good in my space. It's kind of artistic. It's a, you guys, it's a white, um, white ceramic piece and it's kind of artistic. It looks like it's um, wrapped up kind of like a, I don't know, like a mummy, but it's a little more, it's a little more museum of modern art than a mummy. So Anyway, I love this space. It makes me happy every time I look at it. So sometimes I'll plant a little plant in there and see how it goes. Now, normally I would put some rocks in the bottom of this just so that there's a place like if there's ever too much water. But if I, if, if I don't have time to get rocks for the bottom of it, I'm going to be really careful about how I water this so that it can last for a long time. This is probably not gonna last for a super long time in this container. Maybe it will, I don't know. I mean, I have to find out where to put it, where it's gonna feel good, where it's gonna thrive, how much water it needs, and we'll see what happens. Most plants that I purchase are kind of an experiment. And I don't think, oh, I'm so terrible if one of them dies. I don't think, oh, I can't keep plants alive. Plants to me are a little bit more, um, is the word dispendable, dispendable? Dispensable. Sorry. Expensable. Dispensable. Yeah. Dispensable. Right. So I want to see if they work in my space and if they work great. And if not great, I have a certain level of um, attention that I'm going to pay to them. And if they can't handle that, if that's like too hard and they're like, if they're picky and choosy and they're like, we need more attention. It's probably not the plant for me. So I encourage you to really experiment, find out which plants are for you. Cause I can guarantee there are some amazing plants that are for you. Well, and if it's not for you, I, you could give it away or. Or if it dies, you can throw it in the garbage and you don't have to feel bad. You well, can compost, stay. You've got compost, right? Well, compost. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Yeah. Compost. 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 Of course, because it's the wellness for massage. For sure. <laughs> don't put it in the garbage. Bring it outside. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> compost it. Compost. Um, okay. Um, Julie, what questions do you have for me, if any? Well, so I'm curious when I'm thinking about, like you said, I, I love that you kind of introduced this idea of if you get a plant and it doesn't work out, keep trying different places, keep thinking about what might make it happy or unhappy um, and, and move it around to different places. And if that doesn't work, it's okay. No, no harm, no foul. Keep looking. Mm-hmm. When I'm thinking about, you know, trying to have something in your house. I mean, again, I like the idea that you're not trying to figure out, okay, what can I keep for a whole year? What, what works through all of the seasons? You don't, you know, you can make some choices and do something different later on. What do you start with that might be just something kind of that somebody can maybe feel successful with, or that's probably going to be a a little bit party um, or, you know, or is it kind of the, just find something that you can grow inside. And is that what we should be looking at? Like for summer, does it need to be, you know, I, and I, I don't know a ton about plants to be honest with you. I don't know the nuances. So when I look at the big racks outside the store, I'm like, are, 
are all of those outside? Are those, can they work inside my house as well? Mm, yeah, that's great. So usually the ones that are outside that you see at a garden center or that you see outside the grocery store, those are truly outdoor plants. Like I wouldn't try and bring them indoors ever, ever, ever. Okay. Uh, just because that's not at all how that was meant to, meant to roll. Um, they need, they need the sun from outside and the, um, the, I don't know, maybe the temperature from outside, but it seems like most of the time, if you bring them in, the, the lack of sunlight is really can affect them. So I, if you, if they're outside, if someone's showing them outside or they're at a greenhouse, highly likely, highly likely that they really need to be outside. I wouldn't bring them in. And then the other thing is, I was just thinking as you said, what's going to be hardy? Okay. It's true that when you go to a florist, the prices are a little bit higher than the grocery store. The grocery store uses plants and flowers as what's called a loss leader, right? So they want to attract you to go to the grocery store and buy your groceries there by saying, ooh, they're going to come here and we might be charging $5.99 for these flowers, but just that's what a loss leader is, right? So they're going to lose a little bit of money on the flowers because they can get you to buy your $300 worth of groceries at the grocery store. So it's true that the plants there are probably a little bit less expensive than if you go to the florist. But what you get at the florist is you get a consult. You get to talk to somebody who has, first of all, really great knowledge. They work with lots of different clients. So I suggest that most people go to a florist. They find a florist that they love. They get to be friends with the florist. They find out who works there and when. And they start to create or collect some plants um, that are going to work for their space because the people there are going to be able to tell you this should work really well. Now, last night I was at the grocery store, right? There's a lot of plants that are at the grocery store that don't last very long. Like I looked at the whole lineup of plants. I'm like, mm, nope, 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 not going to get that. That never last. That just doesn't last. So I happen to know what won't last very long, what just doesn't really grow that great or doesn't end up looking great because I'm a florist. So I can go to the grocery store and pick out the good stuff. Like I knew Pilia, you got to buy Pilia. I know that the Gerber daisies are pretty good at the grocery store. But um, when you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of get into flowers and plants, I for sure want you to find a florist that you like. I mean, there's multiple awesome flower shops. Find a florist, make a friend. And it doesn't mean you always have to buy from the florist. Um, if you, but once you get knowledgeable, you can start to pick out things that work for you or that you like. Oh, I liked this one last year. I will tell you that there's a really great plant right now at um, grocery stores and at florists, and it's called um, it's called Orange Star of Bethlehem or Ornitho Ornith, Ornithogallum. It is amazing. And when you walk into the grocery store, you see it right away. So it's there right now. And it's just this fluffy, beautiful, like lots of multi-petaled multi plant that could be cut into fresh flowers or it could just stay in the dirt and be a plant. It's one of my favorite ones. I was going to grab one, but I felt like I had so much already going on. Anyway, um, once you get knowledgeable, then you might be able to start, you know, you'll be able to spot what a good deal is at a grocery store or at a flower market, or you'll figure out what lasts for a long time. And the other thing that works really well is um, being part of a farm share because oftentimes they'll have a flower share. Uh -huh. and, yeah. And just recently I did, um, I did wild hollow farms tulip share and it was amazing. I mean, 
remarkable. I could send you some pictures from what, what, um, the product is so good. Melissa Fishbot is the owner and, oh, she has created an amazing farm in Wisconsin. I want to say close to Ashland, but I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong, but it's just, it's kind of like right over there, maybe a, maybe an hour, hour and a half away from us. And, um, it's remarkable, but there are farm shares and flower shares all over. So find a local flower share and just start experimenting. Yeah. Nice. And what about you get those little pots and they come with their little dirt. Um, (laughs) is that dirt, you know, if you want to pot it and put it into something that you have at home, um, what kind of, what kind of dirt is best or is there anything we should be aware of to stay away from? And should we be using, you know, what it came in or is that something we should maybe kind of shake off or let go? What's the best? I think you should always keep the soil around the plant and the roots. Like you should definitely keep that for a while. That's a for sure. If you want to repot it or replant it, my first go-to is always putting this in, um, in a container that I really like. So I search for great containers. If I find a great container, I'm like, Ooh, that is beautiful. I'm getting that for sure. Um, so that's number one. You can drop it in without disturbing the roots because most often when you buy it, it's just fine. It doesn't need to be repotted. People really are like, when should I repot it? When should I repot it? Most stuff doesn't need to be repotted for a while. So I would, I would do a drop in first. Then if I felt like, oh, I really, I always wanted in this particular base, you can bring it to the flower shop and they will repot it for you in the appropriate material. Oh. And they will return it to you replanted in the appropriate medium, meaning if it needs like a sandy soil for the kind of plant it is, or if it needs, um, I I don't know, oh, I want to use the word wetter soil, but, um, or a more humus rich soil, they can figure that out at the flower shop for you. Or you can also research the plant and um, find out what kind of soil it really likes. And you can get the soil at Home Depot or sometimes at a flower shop, but not, not often. Can you dig some soil from outside your house? Well, it kind of depends. I mean, if you have clay soil, we have a lot of clay soil here in, in Minnesota and Duluth. Um, so yeah, plants aren't in love with clay. Some of them love clay. Some of them are clay busters and they're you know meant to be, but, but not most. So I think that usually requires a little bit of research duty depending on the actual plant. If you have succulents, succulents are super popular right now. Little, those little succulents that are, you know, look like they came from, um, from Arizona, right? Those little plants. When I was just leaving the flower shop, those were, those were just getting so popular and everyone, they were coming from all over and people were buying them up like crazy. Those like a little bit more sand. I mean, they look like to act like they're in the desert. So um, sand is in the desert and it, it just depends. I think that takes research. Okay. Okay. Well, it's good to know. I mean, I didn't know you could just say, Hey, florist person, help me. <laughs> I love these plants. Or this, sometimes a plant will have come from a loved one or from, especially from a funeral or, um, that's kind of like the most important people want to keep their plants living on from funerals. And um, I think that's when you go to the florist and say, here's what I got. What do you think? I, this has got to stay alive. I really want it to stay alive. Sometimes they can add rooting hormone. I mean, there's all sorts of things that they can do to really um, make sure that the plant is happy in its new home. Also, they might have pots there that you really like that you think, oh, this would work well. Or they can suggest what shape pot would work. 
Yeah, it all depends on the plant. Okay. And if you have something that you're struggling with, you uh, can you bring it into the florist or bring them pictures and say, here, help? Mm -hmm. Yep, very often. Now, at any florist, sometimes the flower, like there's floral designers, right? And they're so great at designing and art and floral design. Then there's also kind of like the plant people. This is what I've learned from being, you know, from owning flower shops. Um, there's usually like the plant person or the couple of plant people that are really focused on plants and they love plants and they know so much about them. They have some great knowledge. They're the ones who do the repotting and the replanting and um, they might not be in all the time. So you might want to call and say, Hey, I'm bringing this down. I have a couple of pictures and um, I'd like to repot. Who can I talk to? And when can I come and just give them a, give them a quick chat. So finding out ahead of time. So you don't waste a trip. Okay. Although a trip to the florist is never a wasted trip. <laughs> this is what I believe. Awesome. I love it. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's coming to mind. You know, I think, oh, um, do you happen to know of people are, I know that I have heard and read that some plants are better at kind of helping just kind of filter our air and clean our air a little bit. Sure. Um, some of them are really great, and I actually wanted to, you had asked me that question, and I wanted to do a little research on it, and I, my memory did serve that, um, so interesting, snakes and spiders are what you should remember. Snake plants and spider plants are really good at filtering the air. They are, um, they do it at a higher rate than other plants, and perhaps there are other house plants that do that too, but a snake plant is like usually, um, they are, the, another name is like mother-in-law's tongue or Sansevieria, right? So um, they're shaped like this and they are um, pointy at the top. So that's one, that's one kind. I mean, everyone has seen them and some people think they're attractive and I think they're attractive like in a modern way, maybe in like a series of three. I don't always love just one on its own. It looks sort of harsh. But so that's a snake plant and then a spider plant really looks like it's usually variegated with like a light green and then kind of a cream and there's they're like grassy spiky spears that kind of drape over and then a spider plant will have babies as it kind of goes down like the new plants will grow off of the hanging pieces. Um, so those are two plants that um, that are, you know, they say filter nicely fil filter the air nicely. You know, it's an interesting idea or just the, the whole concept of going out and looking for plants. I was a few years ago looking for plants to decorate outside and I had so much fun just looking at all of the different colors of leaves. And, you know, it is when you're not like in that world and you walk into this beautiful place where there's just everything. It's just so exciting. It is. It's really, it feels really, really good. And we always say like, if people are sad, like if you have someone who's feeling really sad or down, um, a real instant lift is to go to a garden center or is to go to a flower shop. Oh, the, nice. Yeah. The fragrance that's there, just all the living things, the design. And I mean, it's especially helpful if you know of an amazing flower shop, but um, I remember somebody walking into the flower shop and saying, just so you know, this is like my heavenly place. This is where I come when I want to feel like heaven. And it reminded me how lucky I was to work in such a place full of so many growing things, beautiful things. Um, it really affects people like to the core of their soul. So, so I truly believe that people, it's, it's so helpful and feels so good. If you start introducing this in the tiniest way, into your office, into your home, your dinner table, wherever it is, your kitchen, your kitchen window, 
your side of your bed, just one tiny vase. Just get yourself one tiny vase and one or two or three tiny flowers and start. You can start today. Gives you something to care for too. Yes. I don't know. We've had this amazing conversation about plants and flowers, and you are a phenomenal expert and sharing about that really good stuff. Tell us what you're doing now and how people can find you and and who are you working with? Because as you mentioned earlier in the in the conversation that you are you're doing coaching now. I am. I am actually. I started. Um, I started coaching after I sold the flower shop, and I actually started coaching before I sold the flower shop because. I was really feeling called to it, and I have a really great background in starting businesses and managing people, managing teams, and, you know, refining it over time, getting a little bit better step-by-step, bit-by-bit, learning, such a learning curve when you, when you are starting a business and running a business. So now I use that knowledge along with my coaching training to really help business owners who either have a business or they're starting one. So most often, I'm going to say 70% of the time, I'm working with um, clients who are starting their first business or their second business and they need, um, they're usually in transition, right? Sometimes they're like stopping their um nine to five job. They're trying to figure out, oh gosh, what does it look like for me to stop working here and start working here? So most of the time, um, they're kind of like these weekend warriors is what I call them. So they work all week and then maybe Friday at like 530, they're thinking, oh, I finally get to work on what I totally love. And they start working on their, you know, side hustle for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so those are people who I work with very often because they need help. Oftentimes, these people have been talking to their mom or their partner, their husband, their girlfriend, whoever, um, and they've been talking and talking all about their amazing idea, their amazing business idea, and all their, oh gosh, this is going to happen, and oh my gosh, I wonder what I have to do next. And um, after a while, the partner, the... the, um, Whoever you're consulting about this amazing new business um, proposition or this new plan for your business, most often those people can do four, five, six conversations about it and then they're kind of like, okay, yep, I'm done. I I just can't manage or help you anymore. I only have this much bandwidth around you starting a new business. I'm excited for you. Good on you. Like, congratulations. But now my eyes are glazing over and I'm, I don't feel like much help. I think you need next level. And I'm usually next level. So as soon as you find out that you um, are no longer able to get the support you need from the friends around you or your mom or your sister or whoever, um, that's when they start come. They, they kind of come looking for, for me, for people like me. So most often, um, my business clients are one-on-one clients. They usually sign up for, you know, an initial six sessions to see how it goes. Because experiencing coaching is really different than hearing about experiencing coaching. You kind of have to feel it and be in it to truly understand it. So most often, people are um, signing up for about six sessions, and I meet with them either over a month, six sessions over a month if they're in a big hurry, but most often once a month. Clients want to meet once a month so that they can get some momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in opening their business. And, and some people are starting a second or third business. And that's a very unique kind of transition because they've already, they already know that they can start a business. Usually when they're opening their second or third, they are kind of trying to figure out how to manage life and the first business and the second business. So it's just a, yet another unique transition that um, I support people through. I love, I love that you have this business background along with the coaching and how, you know, because that's, you need sometimes that, that experience from somebody else to hear what they've done. So you can think through what you need to do too. You know, what's unique is that, and I feel like I, I'm so blessed with it. Having experience employing, like over the years, I probably employed 200 some plus people, right? And lots of them were creative people because creative people were always attracted to the flower shop. So there's a unique energy and um, kind of a unique way that people who are creative, their brains work a special way. Creatives have really awesome, super powerful, special brains. So knowing that and knowing some of the struggles that they often will come up with is so helpful for me, mm. um, especially when I coach them. And in coaching school, they teach you how to work with different kinds of people. Like we take classes on how do I work with a CEO? How do I work with the CEOs of the world? What does it look like? What are their main challenges? What are they super good at? And what are some, what's some of the shadow parts of their work? Where are they feeling like, oh, I don't really want to look at that because it's just not my favorite. And then the same thing with creatives and the same thing with salespeople and the same thing. There's all these different kinds of people. And oftentimes um, they share some of the same, I guess, traits or needs when it comes to coaching. Gotcha. Okay. And you said you do one-on-one. -on -one. Do you also do group work or anything like that with folks as well? I do. I do. I've got a couple group options for people right now. And, you know, all the time I have this group called Glow and it is for um, people who have small businesses. I'm trying to think if anyone has an exceptionally large business. Um, most people are small to medium business owners, um, lots of solopreneurs, a lot of creatives, and then there's some people who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves creatives, mm -hmm. and still the group is so great. We meet once, uh, once a week for a group coaching call, and, um, and that is like a membership style where they pay $47 a month, and they get access to me coaching the community, the group, and then we do some special trainings within that. For example, we'll do a money mindset training coming up here next week. Um, so within that group, I kind of take the temperature to see, hey, guys, what do you need? What do you need right now? What are you feeling? This last week, um, we talked about the customer experience and what you can do to elevate your customer's journey through your brand. Uh, what does it look like when they come into contact with you? What does it look like when they're working with you? How do they feel? at the end of them working with you, how do they know it's the end? And is it the end? Or is there something next that they're going to move on to? So really getting clear about and around what the customer journey looks like for your clients and how it feels. So we're kind of working on up-leveling that within nice. our group. Yeah. What I, what I love to hear about what you're just saying is that 
you know, like you just said, the group kind of drives the things and the training that you're doing, as opposed to it's not just this sort of cookie cutter, you know, oh, you're on week five. So we're doing this on week five. It's real live in person, probably over Zoom, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that group is over Zoom. And um, I have learned over time that, boy, your clients are going to just tell you what they need. My group's going to tell me what they want from me, what they want to create, what information they'd like, how can I help them. And interesting, a lot of the people within this GLOW group, um, they also use one-on-one coaching like a tool. So they'll send me an email saying, hey, I'm entering a specific time. I'm going to need some support. I'd like to get some coaching. Or uh, I'd like to pivot my business over to this and I'm ready for some coaching. Or man, I'm just ready to take it to the next level in terms of money and organization and goals and what my business looks like and how I show up. So I'm ready for some one-on-one coaching. So people use the two tools in conjunction with with each other. The other thing that... um, is helpful. Some of the trainings that I I um, do, there's a particular boot camp called Money Love Boot Camp, that is um, an entire course all about money and how we show up around money. And um, people who take that go from maybe some discomfort around money and desire to be better with money to at the end. Uh, you know, becoming friends with money, starting to have a great relationship with money, starting to feel confident around it and having it serve them differently in their lives. So there are a couple courses that coaches sometimes will teach if they're particularly excited about a topic. That's one of my favorite topics. And then the other one is um, a brand personality workshop that will probably launch in January. Um, And oh, that is that is a magical workshop that I have done one-on-one with people for so long that, and I've done groups that I decided this needs to be a course. People, people keep telling me that changed my life. That changed the direction of my business. That helped me become so much more confident. I totally get myself. I understand my business. So that particular course, when it, when it comes out, I'm very excited for, for how I can offer that to people because it's, um, Normally, it costs people about $1,300 to go through this specific program. Mm -hmm. And when we launch it, it will be $297. So I can get it to more people. Yeah, I can just get it to more people. And um, even my own clients who I know need to take it, I can say, okay, I know you're paying for coaching and I need you to take this other course. This is what you're ready for. This is what you need. There's a lot of different ways coaches show up. I, I don't know if I talked before about how coaching is. Sometimes coaches will teach, and there are coaches who teach, right? There are also coaches who purely coach, which is a coach having a conversation with you where we're really running you through your own mind. Everything is you. Like, we don't really bring much to the table. We don't bring you a sheet of best practice. We don't bring you a list or a checklist or anything like that. That's more pure coaching. And then there are people who are a combination, coaches that combine the two. So I do all three. I'm a coach who teaches. I'm a coach who does pure coaching, which is, oh my gosh, those are magical conversations. And then I also do the hybrid. So depending upon what my client wants, I will morph into whatever version they need me to be. Awesome. Okay. That is really, really good to know too. Hmm. Well, tell 
tell us how do we find you? How do we find you in various places and find out about these classes or keep up so we know what you're delivering? Sure, sure. Um, I would say the quickest places to go are certainly Instagram and Stocky Coaching on Instagram. Um, that's that's kind of like where everything's announced or if something's coming up or if our group, our glow group is opening for new members, that's where you would find out. Um, the other place is, um, at, on Facebook and stocky coaching on Facebook. I have a business page, which you can always, you know, hop into. And then I have a website called Anstocky.com. And that's a place that if you are hearing this right now and thinking, well, I want to kind of try her stuff. Like what kind of stuff does she have to offer? There are four or five different freebies that are on and built into my website that people can do. People can take a quiz. One of the quizzes is, um, is business coaching right for me now? Like, do I need business coaching now? Like what, how do I, how can I find this out? Well, there's a quiz on the website that'll, that'll actually answer your question for you. And then um, there are a couple other things on there. One of them is called the wheel of life. So if you wanted to just take a quick snapshot, an assessment of what your life was like right now, um, and uh, do a couple things around that. It's almost like a little beginner coaching 101 self-coaching tool where, um, boy, it doesn't cost a thing. Well, it costs your email. You gotta give me your email address. But <laughs> um, you can grab one of those. You can download it and print it. And then, you know, a quiet Saturday morning, filling that out, kind of just assessing what's happening in life for you now. It helps, uh, it helps people get really clear on what, what your priorities might, might be. What are your next priorities for your life? And then there's some, um, some business mindsets on there as well for people who are thinking, Oh, I wish I could think like an entrepreneur all the time. Well, I've got a list of mindsets or ways for you to think so that you can start to really elevate, uh, the way you show up because the first way that we elevate our behavior is by elevating our thinking. So if we want to be an entrepreneur, we better be thinking like an entrepreneur. How do entrepreneurs think? We've got a list of 10 mindsets that you can grab at anstocky.com. Awesome. Love it. What a cool way to start. Mm. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you've shared and along with all the cool plant stuff. I, I actually really appreciate the way you talk about coaching too and just the way that you understand it and put it out there because I think that's really helpful for anybody who's like resonating with you and wanting to check this out. But just as they think about coaching in general and what are they needing and you know how to how to search that out. So that's awesome. Mm, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's really yes, cool. Yes, this is yeah. so good. Thank you. Judy. So many cool ideas. I hope you found some wonderful things that you can use or inspire you to sort of add a little bit of life and color to your place, your space, your office. I know I don't have a lot of room in my workspace at home, but she certainly gave me some ideas about things that I can add in little spots that I do have. So I'm excited to take advantage of that. Again, if you do want to connect with her through coaching and just learn more about the things that she's doing, you can find her at angstocky.com. That's A-N-G-S-T-O-C-K-E.com. And again, she's on Instagram and Facebook. I personally haven't had the chance to work with her one-on-one -on -one for coaching. I think she'd be delightful and really great to work with. Just her solid energy and her experience. And as you could tell by listening to her, there's a lot of passion for the work she's doing and has done. And I think that would be fun to be around. 
I was on a couple of group calls with her and I thought it was a great time. It was it was great to listen in and she asked really good questions and stirred up a lot of really great conversations. So check her out if that's something you're interested in. I really appreciate the time she spent here with us talking about plants and flowers. And as we can hear, that is a thing that she's hugely passionate about and very knowledgeable about. So I thank her for sharing that with us. Before I send you on your way, I want to throw out a random fun find I found this week. I am somebody who listens to Audible books. I don't know if you are, but if you are and you have an Audible account and you like music, particularly Alanis Morissette, check out Alanis Morissette Words and Music. On my account, at least it was free. It's like an hour and a half, but it's just a really cool conversation about her talking about her music and her personal growth. And she's just a very, very interesting person. So fun, random find. Thank you so much for listening. Take really good care of yourself. It's crazy out there, y'all. And please stay healthy and do what you can to take care of yourself and others. Until next time continue to search out and find those pieces that fit beautifully into your health and wellness puzzle. See you soon.